Public school was doing a pro-LGBTQ campaign. First of all, are you kidding me? Our kids can't even do basic math. We've got kids being pushed up to high school.
living an upside down world. To them, sin is holy and holy is sin. Sin is glorified and God is vilified. We have to be people of truth because the lies are getting louder. They're getting louder, they're getting stronger, and they're being forced on our children and on this generation. Come on, tell somebody we need to follow filter. And Dad, Mom, you need to have the Word of God on your mind and in your heart so you can be a father filter for your children. Because it's up to us, not the public schools, not the government, not the world, not social media, not the music industry. It is up to us to teach them right and wrong, good and evil. It's up to us to tell them who they are. Because if we don't teach them, the devil will. Mm, They got quiet in this Methodist church this morning. (laughs) Come on, tell somebody we all need the father filter. Listen, God said in Psalm 32 and 8, and I love this. He said, I will guide you with my eye. In other words, when you learn how to see things like I see them, then you'll know what to do. Oh, I know how the world sees this, but how does God see it? Last week we talked about gender dysphoria. And here's the example. I'm a man, but in my mind I'm a woman. Now, that's just an illustration. This is not confession time. Okay. (laughs) It's just an illustration. Calm down. Take that off Facebook. All right. I'm a man, but in my mind, I'm a woman. That's what we call gender dysphoria. I would say something like this. I'm a female trapped in a man's body. That means that my mind and my body are not congruent with one another. Right? And one of those two things needs to change. This is where I agree with everybody. One of those two things has to change because nobody should live as a prisoner in their own body. But here's where we disagree. What part has to change? Because the Bible says that we're transformed how? Up here. What's God's answer? How does God see gender dysphoria? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God wants our bodies holy and acceptable to him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, the answer is Jesus. The answer has always been Jesus and it always will be Jesus. Think about it. Jesus came to pay the price for every sin, every sickness, every disease. I I want you to take this to heart. Think about what Jesus experienced when he came to earth. He left the glory, the majesty of heaven, and put himself in a human body. Think about the sacrifice and the misery that that was. For Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, to trap himself in a human body to come live this human experience. He went through that so you don't have to live as a prisoner in your body. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our Father filter says transformation happens up here. Jesus came and lived in a human body so you wouldn't have to be a prisoner in your own. But the devil, the deceiver says, keep that wrong mind and destroy your body. The devil's a thief and a liar and a destroyer. According to a study published by the APA, the attempted suicide rate of transgender people is 40%. 
that's almost double the rate of people living in concentration camps in the Holocaust. You cannot tell me that that is normal and healthy and right or the will of God for anybody to live like that. And medical professionals who put people through these things are vessels of Satan. They take a functional body and they destroy it. They ruin it. The term gender-affirming care is the exact opposite of what it claims to be. I think about Ollie London. Ollie London is a former trans influencer on TikTok, and he's speaking out on that very issue. He said, these activists are lying to you. Just a few months ago, Ollie had scheduled his final transition surgery to physically no longer be a physical male, but try to become a physical woman. Which is not truly possible at all. But anyway, he had his final transition surgery scheduled, but then Jesus happened. And now he's an influencer, not for the ways of this world, but for the kingdom of God. And he is speaking up saying, no, you don't have to go that way. There is a better answer, and the answer is Jesus. I've heard and read so many stories, especially recently, of people who had gender reassignment surgery and are now detransitioning and how they're living with permanent and irreversible damage to their bodies. According to a study by the National Institute of Health, persons with transsexualism after sex reassignment have considerably higher risk for mortality, suicide, and psychiatric morbidity. Where's that on the news? The enemy is cruel. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give you life and life more abundant. Do LGBTQ people attend Generation Church? Yes, they do. And we love that because God loves them and we love them. When they come, we're going to do two things. We're going to love them and we're not going to lie to them. We're going to tell them the truth because the church of Jesus Christ that he founded is not a church that exalts sin. It loves people and it exalts the one who has the power to break every sin. Hallelujah. For churches to celebrate Pride Month is the equivalent of celebrating adultery or any other sin. What if we said June is adultery month? We're going to celebrate adulterers. We're going to let them come up here and dress up in their outfits and do plays and talk about when they decided to embrace adult. No. It's foolishness. Or liars. <laughs> we just love liars at Generation Church. You just lie. You just precious little sinner, you. Get up here and lie to us for a little while. We'll, we'll take up an offering for No. <laughs> we don't exalt sin. We exalt the one who breaks the power of sin. We all need the Father filter, don't we? There's a whole lot of churches that need Jesus. When you see, the things, when you see things the way God sees them, that's when you know the right thing to do. And in case I haven't offended everybody, here's another example, abortion. The world says it's my body, it's my choice. But God says it's the murder of an innocent life. Okay, well now that I know God's perspective, I know what to do. I ask God not only for forgiveness, but for healing. Because that is incredibly traumatizing for a woman to go through that. Because the world lies. It says it's a right. It's a choice. You deserve it. You deserve to be free. You deserve this. You deserve that. But women go through abortion and they live with the scars the rest of their life. Maybe somebody listening right now in this room or online. Maybe you've had an abortion and people have called you a murderer. You know who else was called a murderer? Moses. Moses killed an Egyptian with his bare hands. 
You know what God did? God restored him. He killed somebody before God anointed him to lead Israel out of slavery. You know who else was called a murderer? David. King David was an adulterer and a murderer. He wanted, <laughs> he saw a UFO one day, an unclothed female object. <laughs> and he said, boom, check her. Wow, wow, what's her name? Come on, girl. Hey, girl, where you, where you stay at? <laughs> he committed adultery and he wanted to cover that sin and he had her husband murdered. But you know what? David humbled himself before God and repented and God restored him. And he called David a man after his own heart. There is no depth you can go where God cannot reach you and bring healing and restoration to you and use your life for his glory. Amen. Y'all with me? Two of you. I'll take it. It starts with the word of God. It starts with seeing things from God's perspective. I'll guide you with my eye. When you learn to see things the way he sees things, then you know what to do. Use the Bible as a mirror and as a lens. So going back to 1 Kings, i got to hurry up. 1 Kings, let's look at the legacy that was passed down to King Ahab. You know, you all remember Solomon's sin? He, he let his prostate lead him apostate. Let his front side make him backslide. Right? He disobeyed God and God tore the kingdom between Judah in the south and Israel in the north. Right? And the first king of Israel in the north was King Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the one who brought Baal to Bethel. In other words, he built an idol to Baal, a golden calf, at the house of God. Bad move, right? Dumb idea because Israel did it before. When Moses was up on the mountain, people did what we do. They get tired of waiting on God. They got tired of waiting, so they took things into their own hands. Aaron, the high priest, fashioned a golden calf in Hebrew, the word egel, which means a bull calf. So Aaron makes a golden bull for people to worship. God brings judgment on the people because God won't let you share him with idols. Jeroboam does the same thing. He makes a golden bull, and he puts it at Bethel, at the house of God. The golden bull represents the pagan god Baal, the god of prosperity. And it's unreal the parallels between then and now because we're doing the same thing today that they were doing back then. You say, well, pastor, that, that's just not true. We would never make a golden bull to the god of prosperity. Have you ever been to the financial district in Manhattan? Because I have, and look what I found. We are making physical idols as outward proof of our inward idolatry. In Manhattan alone, you've got Baal on Broadway and you've got Asherah on Madison Avenue. Asherah was the pagan goddess of child sacrifice. We looked at it last week in January of this year on the roof of the New York Supreme Court building, a golden, naked, horned goddess as a tribute to abortion. These are just warning signs of the spiritual condition of our culture today. And the whole idea behind this series is that the evil people did in the days of Elijah are the same, same things we're doing now. It's not new. People worship Baal and Asherah. They are evil spirits that are influencing and controlling our culture today. When people went to the groves in Old Testament times and the high places and the temple of Baal and Asherah, in addition to child sacrifice, which God called detestable, these are the things they did in worship of pagan gods. First, sexual acts between women. Sexual acts between men. Then they committed sexual acts between both men and women together. They had eunuchs, castrated men, and transgender priests. And they preyed on the insecure and the vulnerable people of their society. None of this is new. People think that they're modern and they're progressive. People think that they're evolving and advancing. This has all been done before. It's a new day, but it's the same demons. 
Again, people are not the enemy. We are involved in a spiritual war. Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Where did they worship Asherah and Baal in the Old Testament? High places. This is not a cultural war. This is not a political war. This is a spiritual war for the eternal souls of men and women. Every human being has infinite value to God. God loves you and God wants to set you free, but he can't set you free if we don't tell you the truth. Jeroboam brought Baal to Bethel, but then it gets worse. You say, how could it get worse? The only thing worse than living a godless life is teaching your children to live a godless life. Jeroboam passes down his sins to his sons. 1 Kings 15, 25, Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king of Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the ways of his father and committing the same sin his father had caused Israel to commit. You know what I learned from this verse? Fathers hold the future. Fathers hold powerful influence over their children, and not just fathers, but men in general hold a great amount of influence over young people. Guys, they're watching you, and you can influence them for good or influence them for bad. Those who look up to you will do what they see you do. Nadab did evil in the eyes of the Lord following the ways of his father. Now, there was a Swiss study done several years ago to determine if the faith of the parents was passed down from the children. They compared a lot of different scenarios. Mom goes to church, but dad doesn't. Dad goes to church. Mom doesn't. Both parents go to church. Dad is committed. Mom goes sometimes. Mom is dedicated. Dad goes sometimes. It was a very, very thorough study, and the results were quite unexpected. They found that across all scenarios, there was one determining factor that had a greater impact by far more than anything else that determined whether or not kids remained in church. One factor. What does dad do? Dad, your children will follow you. It's science. It's a proven fact. They follow your behavior more than any other person. And this is what the study found. When mom and dad both go to church, 77% of kids stay in church as adults. That is the winning combination. But look at the overwhelming influence men have. If mom goes to church but dad doesn't, 2%. 2% of the kids stay in church faithfully. If dad goes to church and mom doesn't, are y'all ready for this? Put your seatbelt on. 75% of the kids stay in church as adults. This is a mind-blowing statistic. Fathers hold the future. You are impacting the next generation for good or for evil. They will follow you. Isn't that amazing? Guys, they're following you. Where are you leading them? It was true in the days of Elijah. It's true today. Jeroboam sinned against God, so Nadab sinned against God. Nadab was king for two years when Basha, his army commander, killed him and takes the throne. And what does he do? The same thing Jeroboam and his son did. First uh, Kings 16, 1, the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, concerning Basha. I lifted you up from the dust and appointed you ruler over my people, but you followed the ways of Jeroboam and caused my people Israel to sin and to arouse my anger by their sins. Jeroboam was bad senior. Nadab was bad junior. Basha was bad the third, and his son Elah was bad the fourth. Elah, like his father, like men who went before him, does evil in the sight of God. Y'all see a pattern here? I know this is not very exciting. I know it's a heavy message. But I know that God wants to make an impact and shape and make a generational change today. So y'all just hang with me. We're, we're, we're almost done. We're not too far. I can see the finish line from here. Men, the next generation will follow your example for better or for worse. Elah is wicked, and the Bible says that one night while he was, and I quote, drinking himself drunk at a royal party. 
Proverbs 31.4 says, It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes to drink intoxicating drink. Not only was Elah disregarding the word of God, he was flying in the face of it. The Bible says that while he was drinking himself drunk at a royal party, his army commander, Zimri, comes in and kills him and takes the throne. Y'all think we might have a problem with the Israeli army at this point? The truth is God allows wicked rulers to be overthrown. And Zimri, the guy that took over, was so wicked he lasted seven days. He was king of Israel for one week. That's all they could take of this guy. Look, verse 18, when Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the royal palace and set the palace on fire around him so he died because of the sins he had committed doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and following the ways of Jeroboam. That must have been one rough week. Next, Omri becomes king of Israel, and Omri does something interesting. He buys a hill, and he builds a city on it. And he makes his new city the capital of Israel, and he calls it Samaria. Samaria represents false religion. You know, the time of Jesus, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other, and the Jews couldn't stand the Samaritans and their false religion so much that the Jews would walk days around Samaria just not to set foot in the place. You see, the Jews had the temple of God in Jerusalem and followed the scriptures uh, given by God, but the Samaritans built their own temple in their own city and followed their own rules. But none of it was from God. And it's interesting that the name Samaria means watchtower. Because that's exactly what Jehovah's Witnesses are doing today. Oh, I'm going to offend everybody this morning. Happy Father's Day. They make their own scriptures and their own theology that directly contradicts the word of God. They teach that Jesus is the archangel Michael, that he was not God in the flesh, that he was not crucified on a cross, and that his body was not raised from the dead. In fact, the New World Translation, which is their own version of the Bible, straight up edits or deletes every reference to the divinity of Jesus in the scriptures. But you know what's funny? They miss one. Second Peter 1, 1, they call him uh, Jesus, our God and Savior. <laughs> Galatians 1, 8 says this, but even we or an angel from heaven, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, in case you missed that, Islam, Latter-day Saints. If we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, Jehovah's Witnesses, let him be accursed. I, I know this is not fun. I didn't get into ministry to be liked by everybody. But in a world of lies, we have to understand the truth. Because if you don't stand for the truth, you'll fall for anything. And in the days of Elijah, the whole culture had bought into the lies. 1 Kings 16, 25, But Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and sinned more than all those before him. Every generation is getting worse. It happened then. It's happening now. Every generation went further into sin than the generation before them. Dads, if your kids are going to follow you and go further, make sure you're heading in the right direction. That's a rebuke to somebody, but that's an encouragement to somebody. You've been serving God. Your kids might not be following you right now, but you keep being faithful. You keep walking by faith and not by sight. You keep doing what thus saith the Lord, and your kids will follow that path. The Bible says when they're old, they will not depart from it, but it doesn't say how old. I got a cousin 83 years old before she got right. But God delivered on his promise. Your kids will follow you. When Omri was doing evil and leading Israel into sin and paganism, he had a little boy, a little son, who was watching and learning all of these things. And his son would one day follow in his footsteps and become king of Israel. Anybody know who I'm talking about? 
Ahab. <laughs> in the next few weeks, we're going to go in and look at how Ahab and Jezebel operate. We're going to look at how we can stand up to Ahab and Jezebel in our culture today. And we're going to learn from Elijah how to bring revival and change to our nation. But as I'm closing, let's look just briefly look at these two sides in the equation. And we're going to pray and go. But first we have Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight even more than any of the kings before him. Ahab was an overachiever and a record breaker, but not in a good way. Here's the trademark sign of Ahab. He tolerated evil. That's the trademark of Ahab. Boy, we've got a lot of Ahabs in churches today. He doesn't confront evil he tolerates it. Oh, I don't want to stir anything up. I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want to offend anybody. Never mind, you're sending them to hell. Yeah. Oh, I forgot this is Father's Day. I'm supposed to be building y'all up. You are precious. You are so <laughs> kind. You just, y'all look so good today. I just want to take a picture, make a postcard. Ahab is a passive man who allows evil and injustice to happen because he doesn't stand up and do anything. The Bible says that no one else so completely sold himself to what is evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did. How under the influence of his wife Jezebel. He was appointed as king, but he let her run everything. Jezebel was active and Jezebel was pushing her agenda, and Ahab sat back and let it happen. My question is, what are you tolerating? There's the father filter. <laughs> There's the word of God as a mirror this morning. What are you tolerating right now in your life, in your family, at work, and with your friends? Because Jesus' warning to the church at Thyatira, he said, this is what I have against you. You tolerated Jezebel. You know, tolerance is never spoken of positively in the Bible. Because first you tolerate it, then you accommodate it, then you celebrate it. Tolerance is the opposite of repentance. Tolerance says you're okay just the way you are. Repentance says you've got to change. Yeah. Ahab tolerated evil, but not Elijah. <laughs> Who was Elijah? Well, we don't know much about Elijah because he comes out of nowhere. Elijah just shows up. His hometown is a place called Tishbe in Gilead. Where is Tishbe? We don't know. It was so little, nobody can even, archaeologists can't even find it, okay? He came from the middle of nowhere. He came from the region of Gilead, which was rugged, rough hill country. Gilead was so rough that that's where the outlaws ran and the law wouldn't even chase them, okay? It was a rough place. It was remote. It was rural. The people out there lived off the grid, okay? It's a dangerous place. Elijah was rough. He was a man of God from Gilead. He was a rugged, outdoor mountain man. Now, my wife and I, we have this, uh, this app called VidAngel. And with VidAngel, we can watch just about any TV show that's out there, and it filters everything. So it's like, uh, it's like all of the roughest, toughest characters in all the shows got saved because there ain't no cussing, ain't no getting naked, ain't none of that stuff. So we, we watched a show on VidAngel called Yellowstone. Anybody ever heard of Yellowstone? Yeah, two of y'all, you ain't, ain't going to raise your hand in church, but I know you heard of it. Uh -huh. I see you giggling over there. Uh -huh. So well, it's kind of funny because I'll talk to my friends. They'll be like, man, that was a good episode. One he's like, yeah, that was a long episode. It was like two hours. Like, like, what are you talking about? It was 15 minutes long. <laughs> oh, them filters, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, on Yellowstone, there's one character that I really like, and his name is Rip. Elijah is like Rip. He's rough and he's tough and he don't put up with nothing. And by the way, you're going to see in a few weeks, <laughs> Elijah takes Ahab to the train station. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's another show called Alone. Anybody ever seen that? It's where they drop somebody in the middle of nowhere and they have to survive living off the land. Elijah would have won every season of that. Because that's who Elijah is, okay? That's a lifestyle for him. He is a tough Tough guy. We have too many soft men in Christianity. 
No wonder guys aren't coming to church. We make churches so doggone feminine. Why would they want to come? Oh, boy. I told you I was going to offend everybody before we leave today. We need some Elijahs in the church. We need some men with some backbone who are going to stand up with boldness for what is right and stand against what's wrong. Ahab is the opposite of Elijah, and Elijah is the opposite of Ahab. 1 Kings 18, 17, I promise I'm almost done. Still be my friend. All right. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? If the world is as bad as we think it is, somebody ought to have the ministry of troublemaking. If the devil's giving us trouble, somebody needs to give him some trouble back. And that's Elijah. He didn't just talk the talk. He backed it up. There's a guy named Athaliah, and he hears that Elijah put out a prophecy. He put out a spiritual hit on him. People didn't know who this prophet was. They told Athaliah, yeah, this guy showed up, and he said, you're going to die. Athaliah said, well, who was it? They said, well, we don't know. He, he didn't have a name tag. He said, well, well, what kind of man? Describe him to me. They said, well, he wore a garment of hair and a belt of leather. He said, oh, that's Elijah. <laughs> you see, Elijah sees a moose. He kills it. He eats it. Then he wears it. Elijah shows up at church. You're like, ooh, I hope he's on our team. <laughs> so you've got Ahab and Jezebel, the politicians, then on the other side, you've got Elijah, the prophet. And there's going to be a head-on collision, and we're going to study that. We're going to get more into that in the coming weeks. The problem for Elijah is the same problem for you and me, is that Ahab and Jezebel are in charge. They control the culture. They control the information. They're the ultimate influences. They have all the power. They have all the money. They have the staff, the army. They have the kingdom. On the outward appearance, it looks like they're winning. Ahab and Jezebel have money, but Elijah has the anointing. Ahab and Jezebel have power, but Elijah has the anointing. Ahab and Jezebel have religion, but Elijah's got the anointing of the Holy Ghost on his life. Ahab and Jezebel, they have a staff and a government and an army, but Elijah has the anointing of God. So let me ask you this morning, as, as I'm closing, would you rather be like Ahab and Jezebel and have everything minus God? Or would you rather be like Elijah and have nothing plus God? Who are you going to? Not who are you? Because it's hard looking at using the word of God as a mirror sometimes. Sometimes it's a little painful. Not who are you right now, but who will you become? Ahab, who's passive and compromising and tolerating evil. Jezebel, who is controlling and seducing and manipulating her way through life. Or will you be like Elijah, humble before God, but strong in his convictions, standing up for what's right? Elijah had nothing plus God, and that made all the difference. He brought a revival to a nation. Will you stand this morning as we pray and seek God? Lord, we just thank you, Father, for today, God. And, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for the Elijahs that you are raising up, Father. Lord, I just thank you, Father, Lord, that you help us to know the truth. God, that you help us to see what the truth is. God, that you help us to drown out the noise of the world, Father. And, Lord, that we see what the Word says. We see what you say, Father. And, Lord, that we become like Elijah with boldness. That we don't care who likes us. Who accepts us, Father? But, Lord, we just care that you are the one that accepts us. Let our hearts fall before you with the truth. God, I thank you this morning that you remove any blinders that have come over anybody's eyes. God, that you soften hearts, Father, that may have grown hard. And that you remove that offensive spirit that has gripped so many. Lord, I thank you, Father, for deliverance this morning, Father. God, deliverance from the lies. 
God, may we see the truth even if we don't like it. May we surrender ourselves to you, Father, in truth and obedience, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father, for using us, Lord. God, I thank you for changing us this morning, Father. God, that through this series, God, that not one of us comes out of here the same. God, that our ideologies are changing, Father. Lord, that we see things differently, Lord. Lord, that we seek your face more than we've ever sought your face before, Lord. God, help us stand for what's true, even when it's not popular, Father. God, help us to speak up. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for helping us to love people the way that you love them. God, that we don't just cast them to the side when they don't believe the way that we believe, Father. But God, help us to see how you see people, Father. God, give us eyes that you have, Lord, that we see past the rough, that we see past whatever it is that they're doing, Father. We see their hearts, Lord. And God, give us the wisdom and how to minister to people, Father. Give us the heart to minister to the broken. The LGBTQ community, Father, give us the eyes and the wisdom for how to reach them. And show them the love of Jesus. God, give us the wisdom and how to reach these kids who the enemy is trying to take their identity. God, raise us up to be the voice of truth to these kids, Father. God, let us be the Elijahs of this time, Father, that we usher in revival, not Ahab and Jezebel who tolerated, who accepted, who promoted. God, let us stand up for truth, Father. And Lord, I thank you, Father, on this Father's Day that you are raising up some Elijahs, Lord. That church is becoming full of mighty men of God. And I break that Ahab spirit that has tried to grip so many in the name of Jesus. I rebuke weakness. Lord, replace it with strength and warriors. God, I thank you, Father, for a church that's full of mighty men of God and Elijahs who speak the truth and who lead their families, Lord, in the way that they should be led mighty men of God who are prayer warriors. And Lord, I thank you, Father God, for just doing a mighty work this morning. God, that this morning the generational curses like we saw this morning, Father, that they're being broken off of families right now. I rebuke that generational curse that has tried to grip your family in the name of Jesus. Whether it be divorce, addiction, pornography, adultery, weakness, laziness, poverty, whatever it is, I rebuke the devourer of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. And I rebuke those generational curses that have tried to destroy your family. And I take a hold of it in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the Jehu anointing of turnaround. That what families have suffered with that this morning, that there is a turnaround anointing in this place. And that the enemy will not win. That the spirit of discouragement and depression that has tried to grip so many women. I rebuke you. God will not have your kids 
He will not have your family. You keep standing on what the word of God says. And Lord, I thank you for encouragement this morning to fall on those that are weary. Those that are facing hard times. God, I thank you, Father Lord, for just strength to rise up in them. God, for them not to give up on their family, Father, but to keep praying. Not to give up on their husband, Father, but to keep praying. Not to give up on their kids, but to keep praying. No matter what things look like, God, I thank you, Father, for that I won't back down spirit. And Lord, we thank you, God. And Lord, I praise you, Father. And Lord, I give you glory and honor. Lord, and I thank you that you are the father to the fatherless. And that you are a good, good father. And Lord, I thank you for using this church to be a beacon of hope in this community. God, that you use us to love those that feel so unlovable and so unworthy. May we show the love of Jesus everywhere we go. Not just at church, but in Walmart, in the gas station, and everywhere you place our feet. God, let people see the glory of God on our life. Let let people feel the anointing. Because the anointing destroys every yoke. And it removes every burden. And Lord, I thank you for that anointing. And Lord, we praise you and we give you glory and we give you honor. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. I believe this morning that some mindsets have changed. Some hearts have changed this morning. But you know, some of you came in this morning or maybe you're watching online and you don't even know Jesus. You've bought into the lies of the enemy. And you say, where was God when this was going on in my life? He was there. And he's there to restore anything that's broken in your life. He's there to heal. Because we serve a God that raises people from the dead. That wasn't just for Bible times. That was for today. And the same God loves you. He died on the cross just for you. And this morning, if you've lost hope, if you've turned, and maybe you've been serving the world so hard, But this morning you feel that call to come back home. Today is the day to come back home. Stop serving the devil and serve God even harder. I'm going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. 